Welcome to Dreams X Trash Podcast. Hey, I'm Oscar, co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living and working in Japan with dreams of being more than an unknown writer. And I'm Jason, fellow co-host of Dreams X Trash, Kenyan living in Japan and tech and art enthusiast. And Jason, what do we do here? Well, Dreams X Trash is a podcast hosted by us, two Kenyans living in Japan. We have lived in Japan for a combined period of six years, six years, and English Jesus. teachers. <laughs> Jesus is right. The conversations are a parasocial look at Japanese, Kenyan culture, society, history, philosophy, and a lot of bullshit that swirls around in our lives. I agree with that. And these conversations are a journey of us attempting to make sense of our lives, the world around us, and us trying to make something of what little knowledge we have. And we do have very little knowledge. And that journey starts right now. Hello, hello, another week, another podcast, and we've got something new going on, Jason. Please explain to the listeners Do I need and to ex- the viewers <laughs> what we're doing today. <laughs> Do I need to explain? Okay, I need to explain to the listeners, but yep, the viewers yep, yep. know what's happening. We are now in video. Dreams mm-hmm. X Trash is in video, everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there'll be links in the description, and you can go watch yep, yep. this in clear hd on youtube clear hd wow for now and is it 8k too is it i wish it was 8k <laughs> you know if they start sending us donations we can get some 8k cameras you know like four of them on each corner exactly exactly anyway all things with good time all things in good time yep okay so appreciation of the week goes out to paul or Liva. you know yourself he goes by paul but his account is registered as Levi, so I'm going to call him Paul because that's what I'm used to calling him. Paul has been listening to my podcast for well, almost five months now, and he's been listening religiously. He always, he actually asked me to send my podcast to people he knows, and he also shares our podcast as well. So, Paul, thank you so much for Ooh. listening, thank you for sharing, and we appreciate you here, Dreams X Trash. Clap, 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 clap. Thank you, Paul, and thank you for your support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right so do we going... have any housekeeping any housekeeping this week housekeeping uh mm-hmm. yes we need to apologize for last week for missing a week mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. things are really difficult as there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff i have to do at work and mm-hmm. also you, our time schedules actually just don't match anymore yep, that's yep, that's yep. actually the real problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and We've discussed a couple of solutions mm-hmm. and us, yeah, us just being able to record today is a amazing miracle on its own, you know, just mm-hmm. amazing thing. So I know if we just keep pushing. It almost didn't happen. It almost didn't happen. As long yeah. as we keep pushing like this, we'll yeah. find a way. Mm-hmm. There will always be a way. So, mm-hmm. you know, us, we're going to just keep on trying. And with that, we can just jump right into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, Oscar. What are we starting off with first? So, weekly news or world news. Mm-hmm. You know, World War Three might be 
we might be on the introduction phase of World War Three, you know? Sequel to World mm-hmm. War Two. <laughs> you really think that's possible? You really think a World War Three? So I imagine a scenario whereby the Western world will be too frightened to in- engage with Putin because he has nuclear weapons. If it was Ukraine that was the aggressor, I think the Western world will rush into Ukraine because what can you can really do? Really do. But so, Putin can do something about it. Let's, let's run the timeline here for people mm. who might not be so aware, right? Mm. It started off with Russia running, quote-unquote, military drills, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They would take uh, around 140,000 troops, go to the border between Ukraine and Russia, Mm-hmm. do military exercises with tanks mm-hmm. and missiles mm-hmm. and all that, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of land technology, you know, military land technology, land military technology, right? Mm-hmm. Go back and then they would cry wolf, right? They, would, they were telling, they're basically telling the whole world, hey, you guys are freaking out. We're not going to invade Ukraine. It's just, mm-hmm. you guys are hysterical. We're not invading, mm-hmm. you know? They did it again, right? In, mm-hmm. I think this was in December. Of last mm-hmm. year or early January, and Ukraine mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, Russia might just invade!" Like they were screaming, "Like help, guys! Russia might invade!" Mm-hmm. Still, Russia was just like, "Calm down, mm-hmm. military drills." They back off, right? Mm-hmm. But except this time, they left all of their tanks and equipment in place. Mm-hmm. So straight off the bat, that was already suspicious. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to where we are now. A week, two weeks ago. I um, mm-hmm. can't recall the exact date, actually. But, no, it's actually only been a week. Like, around a week. A week yeah, yeah, it's only been around a week. They invade for real, you know? And they quickly capture some of the eastern cities in Ukraine. But, mm-hmm. supposedly, the eastern cities already had pro-Russian populations in them. So, mm-hmm. they were ripe for revolution, right? They were ripe to just mm-hmm. be calm and taken over. So, those were easy mm-hmm. pickings for the Russians, right? Also, there's something about the mayors that might have surrendered directly to Russia. So the mayors might have committed treason, but that hasn't been 100% verified. And then now we're moving on to Ukraine. The Russians, the, the plan for the Russians was to finish everything in a few days. Mm-hmm. That completely backfired. Mm-hmm. They're in this very like long haul potentially a long haul of a battle because of the fierce resistance the ukrainians are now putting up mm-hmm. and it's actually because the ukrainians are putting up such a huge res- resistance the hu- i think everyone in the world had to focus on them mm-hmm. if, if if russians had just came in and just knocked ukraine like they did with do you remember what they did in uh crimea crimea yeah, yeah. People forgot about that a week later, right? Like a week, a couple of months later. Everyone was just like, what? Oh, that happened. Yeah, I forgot, you know? Mm-hmm. But by them putting up this huge, huge resistance and just like they forced the entire world to pay attention to them. Even now, everyone's paying attention to them. And then now there's just a massive, massive amount of support. Joko Willink, I think in his video on Instagram, said it best. It's like, it's Russia versus the most historically the most well supplied resistance force of all time Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they're getting so much they're getting weapons medicine money everything they need is being supplied by the nato countries you know Mm -hmm. even japan even japan is throwing money at them you know and accepting refugees so it's just so crazy 
Yeah, so there, there are some things that come to mind when you talk about how it started, like the idea of so going to the border and just doing military drills and backing off for a while. Uh, I think this is something that works in psychology as well. Like if you want to, to if you want to get something from someone or you want to make someone, if you want to make it possible for to push someone beyond their boundaries, you go in a few inches, you push a little bit, then you back off. You push a little bit, then you back off, right? Just see how much they're willing to take, right? Isn't that the the saying of like, you know, you're just putting your mm-hmm. toe in the water. Just, just, exactly, just feeling the exactly. temperature a little bit. Just yes, touch. yes. And if no one says anything about it, it shows that you can go a bit further next time, right? Yes. And that's how it works. And I think even this was also something that I think NATO, not NATO, NATO. 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 NATO, let's happen because here's the thing. <laughs> NATO. NATO, NATO. <laughs> yeah, so if you look at one of the, in, in high school now, studying the Second World War, uh, one of the rudimentary causes of the Second World War was the appeasement policy by Neville Chamberlain. So Neville Chamberlain was the prime minister of the UK prior to the Second World War, right? And his policy was called appeasement. And appeasement was basically... Let the, the British Germans rather, do whatever yeah, yeah. they want. Let the, give let Hitler do as much as he can, as long as he's not invading anywhere, right? Yes. But then he invaded Czechoslovakia, and they were like, "Oh no, she wouldn't do that." But wait, wait, it's only Czechoslovakia. It's also it's also <laughs> such a big deal. Yeah. But then he went further and he invaded Poland. And now they realize appeasement is failing. And I think the same that NATO did with with Russia. They re- let them invade Crimea or uh, yeah, it's a, it was an invasion, right? Crimea is part Crimea. of Ukraine. Let me just clarify yeah, so, that. So they took Crimea and NATO basically did nothing. The UN did nothing, right? And so Russia is like, cool, cool. It looks like these guys can let me do whatever the fuck I want. Oh, 100 yen. Let, let's, let me do I want. Let, let's be real here. Is mm-hmm. the US and the European countries going to risk war Russia over exactly. Crimea? No way. No way. And even even now with Ukraine, they, NATO and the I don't think the NATO, the UN will do anything because why? Why? It's like, that's why they're willing to just give weapons to the Ukrainians. Let the Ukrainians fight it out, you know. <laughs> like let them let them handle so, because they know if America comes in now, that's World War Three, right? For real, but yeah. But let me add this other tidbit. We have to talk about the Russian economy. Mm-hmm. Everyone that's thought cool. sanctions were a joke, right? To be fair, even I didn't know sanctions were gonna work. Like I, I knew they have. I always thought sanctions were like it. It took time to take an effect, right? It wouldn't mm-hmm. instantly hit the economy. It would hit the economy in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. the effects we're seeing right now mm. of the multiple sanctions do you know like so american has sanctions europeans have sanctions almost every country okay that's not correct to say but a lot of countries have sanctions mm-hmm. on russia mm-hmm. russians were kicked out of the like russian accounts were kicked out of the visa and mastercard networks Oh, the SWIFT, the European SWIFT system. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ruble has fallen down like 30% in mm-hmm, value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's so ridiculous how how, mm-hmm. how hard hit all of the, the entire economy is, despite this. They said even like, if this war lasts a couple of months, Russia is actually just going to bankrupt itself. Mm-hmm. But you know, like this is... The reason, for the most part, I have honestly been trying to ignore this issue in Ukraine. Why is that? I, because it's another war that the media is telling me to focus on. Like, look at what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening in Yemen, what's happening in Palestine. And I'm not saying, oh, war to the Palestine, oh, I feel so bad for them. But it's like, 
that has been going on forever you know yeah. palestine like americans dropping bombs on yemen like it's nothing it's just another day down there you know mm. we don't talk about that let me tell you something crazy mm. uh, an egyptian football player refused to play a game against israel i, I think a game against israel i believe uh-huh. it was a national a national a national game right right uh-huh. an international game and uh-huh. because he refused to play against is- israel in support of palestine he was banned from playing football for 10 years he uh-huh. can't play for 10 years uh-huh. because he's supporting israel sorry supporting palestine uh-huh. and i think now european countries european teams in the uefa are standing in solidarity with ukraine and everyone is happy for that it's like oh club for them they're they're honorable they're righteous but what's what's happening in the middle east no one is talking about that it's like let's that's just how things are in the middle east so if the media would allow doesn't want me to focus on the middle east why would they care so much about the ukraine what's different about the two situations this russia mm-hmm. russia is knocking on the doors of nato and both are nuclear nuclear weaponized countries you know true, so true. i agree the, but my, the potential for about, destruction like, Uh-huh. between the two conflicts is massively different right i i can agree with that but that's not what the media is telling me to focus on the media is focused is at least in japan in japan at least it's focusing on the suffering of the ukrainian people not about how powerful russia is or nato is oh you know because but that's just a media ploy to focus exactly. on you, you tell exactly. the human story so that people can relate right you don't exactly. like you can't just throw numbers at people like oh now, 200,000 now. dead people will just be like the human Now, mind isn't made to comprehend is, that you know my question here is where is the yemeni story where is the palestinian story oh they've where been told the though story? they have no, been told no they've been told once but it's still going on it's sort of like the trouble there is over you know you know what i mean i will also say this the they yeah. have a lot more of a complicated history their history like what about the history of ukraine and, and then, and then it also inc- includes the british like their problem mm-hmm. is hard to solve going forward mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm is pretty sure easy to solve is it easier to solve the ukrainian people want freedom Do they they've they've done multiple revol- they've done two revolutions in the past and they've broken okay, off so away from russia right you're It, telling me the ukrainians want freedom to do the palestinians and yemenis and afghanis want slavery so the palestinians feel like that is their country and then the mm-hmm. the israelites go like no that's this is our country And then they both this is the thing they both have claim to the same land. At some mm-hmm. point in their past their ancestors owned the land, right? And then the British mm-hmm. came along and they made it even more complicated. I'm oversimplifying the entire history. I might even get some of the points wrong, but the point is that there that so, story is a lot more gray than the Ukrainian Russian story. No, I think I think it's a, a it's the same story. <laughs> it's not the same story <laughs> though. At some point was in Ukraine a part of Russia? No, Russia came from Ukraine. Wait, 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 wait. Was you was Ukraine not a part of Russia, historically speaking? Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's get some terms here. Ukraine was Let part of see. the USSR. You are right about that. Uh-huh. Not Russia, USSR. Okay, and just to differentiate USSR from current day Russia, we can't both call mm-hmm. them Russia. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So USSR, yes, Ukraine was a satellite, a communist satellite state of USSR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Ukulda, yeah. Okay. But if okay. we go back further, it has been mm-hmm. it has been said in multiple literature and historic writings that the Slavic Empire, which gave mm-hmm. birth to Russia itself, has mm-hmm. origins in Ukraine itself. So Ukraine 
has mm-hmm. this huge cultural value of being the birthplace of the Slavic people. Okay, okay. That's also part of the reason why really, they that... really, really want it back. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait. <laughs> so, so I'm reading here that the name Ukraine that from the ancient Slavic writings means borderland. Mm-hmm. So during that most of the 20th century, Ukraine was re- referred to in the English world as the Ukraine, as the word Ukraine means the borderland. Uh, which translates from the borderlands similar to Nederlanden, meaning lowlands. Okay, that's just something else. Mm, so, mm, mm. I'm, I'm... Okay, okay, I'm, okay. Uh, so, here's the thing. Ukraine mm. and Russia have been fighting for a while. Ukraine has always been trying to exert its own independence. Okay, okay. And Russia has always felt like Ukraine is actually... Part... It's the Taiwan-China thing, basically. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. Taiwan broke away from China a long time ago, you know? Mm-hmm. They had a war. The Republic of Democratic Republic of China lost, and they were re- mm-hmm. rele- relegated to a small island, which is Taiwan now, right? Mm-hmm. While the Communist Party in China, the CCP, am I getting that right? CCP, yeah, built yeah, yeah. the entire government that we know as China right now, you know? Mm-hmm. But China never forgot about Taiwan. They're like, no, that island is ours, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because the international community accepted that you are now Taiwan and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you are part mm-hmm. of China. Mm-hmm. And Taiwan's, Taiwanese just want, you know, they don't consider themselves Chinese. They want independence. Ukrainians are the mm-hmm. exact same thing. They want independence. They don't see themselves as Russian people. And actually, some of them don't even like Russians. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, morally, where do you stand? It's like, hey, if somebody wants to be free, let them be free. Isn't that like one of the more core values of democracy. We've chosen to go all mm-hmm. in on this de- democratic system, right? The world in general. Mm-hmm. Isn't freedom or freedom to choose your own future, to mold your own destiny, isn't that one of the core beliefs or core values of democracy? Well, Russia obviously doesn't think this. Russia is a democracy. Is Ukraine even a democracy? Russia isn't a democracy though. Like th- that's why that's that's why Russia and the West have always had those like they have but is, conflicting is philosophies. Ukraine a democracy actually is is Ukraine a democracy? Yes. It has a president mm-hmm. that was voted in. But, but he he jailed his opponent. I don't know if you talk about the old one. The old one was a no, no, no. pro Russia. The current president jailed his the, his opponent in twenty nineteen. All right. I don't know about that story. I can't talk about yeah. that. I can just tell you, like, I'm just I'm reading an article here from Washington Post here, whereby like Zelensky but uh, was like the president even if the president jailed mm-hmm. his opponents, we're talking about the people, what the people believe in. Yeah, but now that's that's the that's the issue, right? You, the media is telling the story that Ukraine is democ- democracy that needs help from by the West, right? Because they're they're serving Western democratic ideals, right? Yes. Also, but if, now, if, also if they that... fall, mm-hmm. um, Russia will be at the borders of Moldova and Poland. And Poland is part of NATO. No, is Poland part of NATO? Is it part of Europe? I can't remember. I think it's part of Europe. Yeah. Anyway, so my point here is that, of course, even if we say that Russia isn't a democracy, but I'm sure there are Russians that want, many Russians want democratic ideals, right? But they know they don't because Putin has called himself president no, for no. life. <laughs> Yeah, but people want it. It's not about whether they can get it, right? You want to be rich. It's not like you, but it doesn't mean you'll be rich just because you want to be rich. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Fair enough. And the same thing happens with the Ukraine. Just because they say we want democracy, we want freedom, 
but if your president is jailing his opponent, is it really a democracy? You know, like think about this. It's, if this it's... war didn't begin, if this war didn't begin, Ukraine would never have been touted as, as a democracy. Like if no, anyone is jailing, I'm, I'm pretty if sure. If anyone is jailing their opponent, we wouldn't call it a democracy, right? But like, you're you're, you're, you're judging the entire. Mm. The entire de- like you're judging the entire situation of whether they're the narrative no, no, of whether they're not, democracy or not on that one action the president has done. Does the president does that does, does that yes. one action reflect the people or what the people yeah, ultimately I mean, like, believe in? But now you you also can't make that argument, so we can't say that Putin doesn't represent Russia then. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. But still, when we think of Russia, we think of Putin. Look at right? look look at look at all of. Yeah. Okay, let's go to a country that we actually know, Kenya. Is Kenya a democracy? I don't. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. <laughs> it's Kenya democracy. I mean, yeah, we vote. We vote. Yeah, I can say we vote. we have electoral awareness. <laughs> electoral awareness. We believe in democratic ideas, is what mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And on paper, we're a democracy. On paper. But the way we operate and the way our politicians operate, yeah, we know we're not in a democracy. Not really. On, on paper, Russia is also a democracy. They also have elections in Russia. Just put in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can agree to that. <laughs> but we know that they're not. For the most part, Ukraine was a democracy. They elected Actually, presidents. It wasn't. It wasn't. So think. So up until uh, up until Ukraine the... is mm. called a hybrid regime. It's not called a democracy. Okay. It's not called a democracy. So that means they are they are kind of halfway between democracy and totalitarian states. Uh huh. So it's not a democracy. So anyway, so I'm I'm not saying that okay, let's let the Ukrainians suffer because they are not a democracy. All I'm saying is that the media is giving us a false a false narrative that we need to help them because they are a democratic state. They are not. Maybe we should may they should be helped because war is bad. But then if we are focusing on the Ukraine, why not focus on Yemen as well? There's war going on all over the world, right? What about whatever genocide or rather? What is it? Again, like you've pointed out and we've talked mm-hmm. about, this one has the potential to lead to World War Three. Hence why everyone is really they're fearful. And also if Russia can do this, mm-hmm. it, it, it 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 continues that narrative, that idea that like you said in World War Two. What did Hitler do? Hitler said, I'm not gonna invade, and then he invades Poland. And he's like, guys, relax, I'm gonna stop here. Invades France. You know, what stops mm-hmm. the Russians from just taking up Moldova? Bulgaria, all of the mm-hmm. other former USSR satellite states. What stops them? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But like you said, crazy. once the man has a little bit of like, you know, just a little bit yeah. sweetness in his my, mouth, it's like, why not this. just go back and take everything? My idea is this. There's nothing the Western world will do. They'll just keep arming the Ukrainians. That's the best they can do. No one is going to risk fighting with you, with Russia. Not over right? Ukraine. I I don't think yes, over Ukraine. Exactly. Gonna, yeah, definitely not. They won't risk it. So I think the Ukrainians might fight, but I don't know. I think ah, but here's might... here's the really f- messed up part. I almost swear. <laughs> here's the really messed up part, right? Mm-hmm. Ukrainian previously had nuclear weapons. Oh, US, really? Yeah, USA convinced them to give up their military weapons, the nuclear military weapons. And the Americans would aid them defensively. Ooh, so whose fault is it that whose fault is <laughs> That's why in the beginning when Americans were just like, oh, he's going to sanction Russia. Everyone was just like eye-rolling. Like, what? <laughs> oh, the sanctions are working because it's not only US that is mm-hmm. sanctioning them. Literally everything is being sanctioned. 
tech companies are removing their services from Russia. You know, what? everything is being cut off. Their satellites mm. are being hacked by Anonymous, the Anonymous group. Mm-hmm. Oligarchies are like Russian assets overseas are being seized. The oligarchy, like the most richest, the top one percent, mm-hmm. they're being seized by American mm-hmm. governments and European and uh, Interpol. They're just taking up all of their assets. And then the Rupal at the same time is taking a hit. So it's like at some point they won't even be able to pay their own security guards. Man, I let, let me say this. I, I feel bad for the Ukrainians just as bad as I feel bad for the for everyone else who's suffering. The same, it's the same issue. No one wants to see their kids die, their homes destroyed. Bro, I haven't yes. even gotten to the Russian protests. So the protests obviously happening in Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive, massive like um suppression of these protests. Mm. There was mm. a grandmother. There's a video of a grandmother. Mm. I'll just say this once and then we can go to a different topic. There was a video mm. of a grandmother who survived mm. World War II. Mm-hmm. She was born in the 1930s or something or 1920s. And mm. she had, she's just protesting. Mm. And the police just roll up on her and mm. just grab her mm-hmm. with extreme force and just throw her in the back of the van. Mm. And you're like... <laughs> This is this is how you treat your elderly. This person, she's pretty much like a legend, right? Because a lot of the World War II people, they're dying, right? That's a dying generation. They're not, we're not going to have this, that many World War II was, people in the next 10, 20 years. So, like, this is, I think we've heard this many times from Jordan Peterson. Even like it was written in the book by the book Gulag Archipelago about the Soviet Union, where it says that. If you keep quiet about the small things, eventually you won't be able to say anything about the big things, right? Yeah. And it's that it, I think it started with the small things whereby, okay, so Putin is suppressing his opponents, right? Yeah. They can't vote, they can't run against him. Okay, that's fine. And killing as off his opponents they, too. They, yeah. As the people as who Russia are disappearing. Is, you know? Yeah. But because they were keeping quiet about that, now that the really massive thing is happening, they don't have the power to do anything against it because they gave Putin all the power unwittingly, right? Yes. And now, but it's the same thing, like, man, war is bad. War is bad. I don't think war is good. I don't think, you know, can argue that war is good. I don't think, in the past, they talked about just wars, but even though, okay, let's look at Russia, for, sorry, Germany as an, as an example, Nazi Germany. Not all Germans were Nazis, right? Yeah. But many non-Nazi Germans were killed in that war, right? Yeah. So I feel bad for anyone who's suffering in the war, right? So I don't think this is a Ukrainian problem or Russian problem. I think it's a human problem. So I I won't feel worse for the Ukrainians than I do for anyone else. I feel bad for the people who've lost their families, people who've lost their homes. But that's happening all over the world, man. Uh, I think uh, it's uh. something we we should eradicate in our lives individually. You and I, Jason, no matter what we talk about the Ukraine, it's like what we say will, will do nothing to change what's going on over there. So, hey... Those people who can do something about it, do something about it. <laughs> you know? There's international volunteers. Um, mm. There's people yep, donating yep. to Ukraine directly through cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and etc. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to link one link there for people who are interested to like help mm-hmm. out and everything. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe that the Ukrainians, this if they lose, it will embolden Russia and Russia will just get more aggressive. Just like we've yeah. seen. This is the same story I've seen all the time in history. So I'm just like... All over the world. All over the world. Man, but hey, let me tell you why. I, If you're going to post that link, post a link for every suffering human being on the planet, man. 
because these are for fucking. All right, I will post people. also for other charities. Okay. Yeah, because like, hey, what's so special about the Ukrainians? You know what I mean? We'll we'll do something for the aquatic life, something for the environment. No, not for, not for, I'm not talking about human. I'm not talking about like the environment. I'm talking about human beings who are suffering because there's people suffering everywhere. I'll throw so something. Highlighted. I'm so just highlighted with the media. I, I'm saying I'll just cover every cause so everyone's happy. You know, maybe not in this video, but I'll post it yeah. somewhere. Maybe we'll have like a social media post about it. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. And with that. Let us go into our main topic. Ask mm-hmm. what is our main topic? Our main topic is risk and uncertainty. Oh, what are those fancy words? You raise, you bought, you send me a video just a few minutes before we started about Frank Knight's Frank Knight, the economist, I believe. Yes, his book from 1921 called Risk, Uncertainty, and Profit, where he's comparing risk versus uncertainty, which has been risk. used as a textbook. By the way, yes, in sc- a textbook in schools, in economic school, classes, I assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, so Jason, what is risk? What is risk? So, mm-hmm. if we look at actions and outcomes, mm-hmm. any future actions and outcomes or past outcomes that are unknowable mm-hmm. and unmeasurable, mm-hmm. that's uncertainty. Uncertainty okay. basically is like a fog. Mm-hmm. You don't know mm-hmm. what's what. Oh, so that's uncertainty. That's uncertainty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Risk mm-hmm. is any outcome and action that is measurable, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will give an example of how are they connected, right? The most important thing is how are they connected. Uncertainty is everywhere in our lives, right? Okay. If I stand up, am I gonna die? Uncertainty. If I go down the stairs, will I fall and die? I don't know. Uncertainty. Will I get the money that I want? Will I get the person? Will I meet my goals? Uncertainty, uncertainty. Literally everything we do has uncertainty to it, right? Mm-hmm. And if I ask you, ask Oscar, what is the uncertainty? What are the chances it's going to rain today? Or there'll be a thunderstorm or a hurricane? Mm-hmm. You don't know? Say, like, give... Zero. I'll say zero. Zero. Or I can look at, I can look at my weather focus on the phone, the up, weather up. Mm-hmm. But do you know for a fact? Do you personally oh, know for a fact without using a tool? Or me, or without using a tool? Yes, yes, I can look outside and see that. Okay, it's, I can if the skies are really blue, I can assume that it probably won't rain today. Uh huh. So you're doing some sort of assessment there still, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. even then, you still don't know for a fact, right? You mm-hmm. just look and be like, it's a just an educated guess. Mm-hmm. So there's still uncertainty, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yet we don't care about all these uncertainties too. There's a lot of uncertainty that we just don't care about. Mm-hmm. Like I just asked you about the rain or a hurricane. Do you care about that when you, every day when you mm-hmm. walk out? No, no. Maybe if it looks bad, you'll care, right? But yeah. usually you don't. For the most part, I don't really think about it. Yeah. yeah. And then you brought up an excellent point. We can reduce uncertainty. We can manage uncertainty mm-hmm. with knowledge and mm-hmm. with mathematical analytical skills right we have two sets like statistics uh, statistics right Mm -hmm. so for example i have a dice right like a six-faced dice normal dice Mm -hmm. i can roll it up in a box or in my Mm -hmm. hand like this and Mm -hmm. i wouldn't know and throw it right and i wouldn't know what value i'll get you know from one to six Mm -hmm. okay so that's uncertainty right Mm -hmm. 
But then I can go like, all right, let me look at what values are possible. One, two, three, four, mm -hmm. five, six. What are the chances of me landing a five? Oh, it's one out of six. So mm -hmm. suddenly I've taken that uncertainty and now I have a number game, right? Mm -hmm. I can actually predict outcomes and actions mm -hmm. with high approximation or high mm -hmm. accuracy mm -hmm. what the outcome will be. Mm -hmm. So you can use statistics to reduce uncertainty mm. and or manage it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the connection right there. So okay. now once once it's become like, okay, the, the chances of me getting a five is one out of six, that's a risk. That becomes okay. risk because mm -hmm. it has become measurable. Okay, so basically what you're saying is once you can manage uncertainty, it transforms into risk. Yes, but now it, it gets complicated because mm. all risk, mm -hmm. so all uncertainty can be risk, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. But not all risk can be uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wait, mm -hmm. no, sorry, I might have gotten that wrong. Not really, it makes sense, it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense? Because like, it's uncertain when I will die, but I can assume that if I smoke and drink every day, I probably won't live to a hundred. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So like, I wanted to ask you what kind of uncertainty, how do you manage uncertainty in your life? Assuming, wait, can you define uncertainty and risk? I, I'm just, these are my definitions or from what I've read. So just from what I've seen from the book, it's very simple. From what the video sent to me, it's I think the definition given there is very straightforward. Uh, uncertainty is basically the unknown unknown. Mm -hmm. And if uncertainty is the unknown unknown, I can't say if there's... I don't know what I don't know. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, how, yes, how yes, yes. Manage, how do I manage uncertainty? Like, it feels like everything in my life is a risk. It's I don't think... I can't... I'm oblivious to most uncertainties in my life. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, I'm like, well, I, I don't know for certain when I'll die, but I've said again, I, I can maintain some habits that ensure that I live a long, healthy life, right? Uh -huh. So it's basically risk. So uncertainty, what is uncertain in my life? What is uncertain? Also, just to make it even more interesting for us, because we listen to Jordan Peterson a lot. Jordan Peterson mm -hmm. refers to uncertainty a lot. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because uncertainty is the place in which it's chaos. It's chaos, and but there's also order, right? That's that's the whole like you can venture out into the night. You might die. The dragons and the beasts of the creatures of the night might kill you, or you if you live and you survive, you come back with gold for the community, right? True, true. But then now that's that's the thing, right? How do you know what's chaos, what's uncertain for you, right? It's like okay, so maybe uncertainty will be an attempt at starting a business that's a realm of chaos for us right because we don't own any businesses right but it's no risk right because what is what it's is it risk? what is it exactly we can lose from that i'll use risk in the sense of negative okay. outcomes here you can lose money the business can fail but when I mean, we die see... like was, is, is that an ultimate so... loss I mean, so you're asking me just risk, generally speaking, because the, the only risk in life isn't death, right? Actually, death is the only certain thing in life. All right, all right. You're certain if, you'll die. You're certain if you'll die. this is a monopoly game, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say mm -hmm. the business we're making is part of this monopoly game. That is, you know, the mm -hmm. capitalist system, right? Mm -hmm. The biggest loss 
mm-hmm. is you being bankrupt to a point exactly. where you can't play anymore. Exactly. exactly. We, we can accept that, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe I misunderstood what, what you meant by saying create a business. I was thinking like if you're creating like just a small business, you mm-hmm. up to five people, mm-hmm. there isn't, it, there's not that, I'm not saying there's no risk. I'm just saying there's low risk. High uncertainty, low risk. I think I think it's high risk to start a business. It's How high so? risk. Think about this. I assume, okay, in my position, I have a wife and a child. To start a business will mean I leave my current place of employment and go out into the world of entrepreneurship, right? Mm. Now I don't I don't know whether that will work out for certain. Like what depend no matter what business I start, there is no guarantee that it will succeed. Now, if it succeeds, we gain so much, right? But now, see, you've created life. certain... You're measuring the outcome mm. of it being successful. No, but I haven't finished. I haven't finished. Sorry, okay. Right. So, if it succeeds, we know what will happen, right? Basically, I'm my own boss. I, I choose my own working hours, depending on how the, what kind of business it is. Right, right, However, right. However, uh-huh. if, if it fails, if it fails, it means I have no income. I am no longer the breadwinner of the house. Uh-huh. Right? That means I have to go back and seek formal employment. So that seems like a big risk. If I'm risking not having any income, I mean, to start a business is to risk not having income, right? I I will say this. Okay. How about this? You mm. can start a business and not put money into the business. Like a YouTube channel. Isn't like starting okay. a YouTube channel and potentially getting sponsors and all that. That's entrepreneurship, right? Mm, 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 that is mm, some mm. sort of entrepreneurial endeavor. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's a business per se. Mm. But you, it, it is an entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even now in okay, 2022, I think isn't, it, is... isn't it like the easiest it's ever been to be able to start a business, whether you're a sole, a sole entrepreneur? True, true, true. But maybe, okay, so maybe I'm thinking about business in the classical sense. I'm not thinking about it as in this postmodern world. Yes. I think, okay, so maybe let, let's use another example. Let's say, okay, working out, what is the the risk of working out it's almost zero like there's literally very low risk in working out it's high uncertainty lord knows if Mm. you'll ever get the six pack but it's very low (laughs) risk you know okay yeah you're right right. so there's there's almost no risk working out and i think that's what john peterson wants us to always be looking out for situations or opportunities that have high uncertainty because obviously you don't know how it's going to, if it's going to work out, like how it, how everything's going to come together, right? Mm-hmm. But there's actually very little risk. You're not like, you're not going to die. Your family's not going to suffer because of it, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Even if you lose, you can still try again. That sort of and thing. That makes, that makes obvious sense. That, that's pretty clear. I think we've, made it, we've clarified the issue. So now, okay, so now how do you manage to... uncertainty? What are the some of the more... Mm-hmm. high uncertainty opportunities or situations that you're in currently in your life? I think there are two things in my life that were extremely uncertain. Number one was obviously coming to Japan. I think as I mentioned in a previous podcast, when I first came to Japan, I had no clue what I was going to do when I when I got here, right? I had no job lined up waiting for me, you know? But you and had a scholarship, think, right? No, I mean, that was after, that was the first time. I'm saying I, I finished my school, my school in Japan, went back to Kenya, then mm-hmm. came back again. So uh-huh. when I came back again, I like I was it was I had nothing waiting, nothing, right? Uh-huh. Totally blind. I came here blind. I came here blind. Uh-huh. So I think that was the biggest that was the biggest level of uncertainty in my life. 
And right now, another level of uncertainty is I have is parenthood, you know, because it's like when you become a parent, uh-huh. there's no training you get in in being a, in being a father, right? There's no there's no hey, this is what a father does. I guess you can mimic what your father did with you, right? Uh-huh. But then it's like okay, so I'm a boy. I'm a boy. My father was raising us was raising only sons. I have a daughter. Will my father treat me the same way he did if I was a girl? Mm. I don't know. I but I don't I also don't think so. So it's like every day it's it's another uncertainty. How should I respond to this issue when it arises? Like one day my daughter is going to get her periods. If she, if I'm alone with her when that happens, how will I respond to that matter, right? That's uncertainty. Exactly. That's uncertainty. So I think that's the biggest level of uncertainty I'm facing right now. I think it's fatherhood. It's fatherhood. Every day is learning something new. Like something as small as dealing with how my daughter wakes up, how dealing with her tantrums, tantrums, you know, that's something I have to learn and manage every day. Could would you say like, that you being an English teacher has helped you being able to oh, understand behaviors, children's behaviors, and being able to sort of negotiate with them? It has definitely helped me become more patient with children, if nothing else. Right. because like mm. you 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 taught in the same company i have and you know yeah. that sometimes we are in class with like what five or seven three years right and it's like they're supposed to be learning english for one hour you know like kids <laughs> would sit down and listen to you teaching english for one hour <laughs> so you find a way to make things work for the children right so yeah. like, like this is jordan peterson put it the, the best way don't let your kids in this in this sense in this you know in this example the kids you're teaching do something that will make you dislike them you know what i mean <laughs> which is I think also, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of like we've seen a lot of like japanese um parents that mm. like they're unhappy with how their kids are you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think you've seen the same thing right of course of course of course and you wonder like how how do these parents manage these kids at home and how do they deal with them on a 24 yeah, so hour basis so i i can say this uh raising kids in this modern world is challenging because both parents are working uh-huh. so you don't have time to discipline your children the way we would have been disciplined by our mothers right because maybe dad wasn't always at home but you know for the most part mom was there right i don't know if it was the same for you but it was like that for me my mom and my dad so, both were working I mean yeah so in my case my parents were both working but my mom was was generally there most of the time right I feel I feel like she was there most of the time okay and okay. so it's mm-hmm. like an example would be this what my mother told me like in a family the dad is the government and the mother is the police the the father <laughs> lays down the law and the mother enforces the law that's what my mother said <laughs> interesting uh, okay yeah. okay and, and i think that that made things pretty straightforward because the dad can't be can't always be there to discipline you i think in a in a classical sense of what the old traditional family structure which actually as my wife wait, and wait, i wait, get what, old, what do you mean the old traditional you mean like the african old, one or no no the tra- just traditional family structures you know like the man works the mother is the the man is the breadwinner the, ma- the woman is the house the house uh, i don't keep us not keep cleaner <laughs> Oscar, you're gonna say you want us to get you want us you want us to get cancelled. The right. homemaker, the mother is the homemaker, the homemaker. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So like, uh, in that traditional sense, actually, it's like actually, my wife and I were having this discussion a few days ago, and we realized that that traditional idea of family actually makes total sense. This idea of two people working 
it it makes zero sense like whose child is this is it is it our child or the daycare's child you know what i mean yes 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 and yes, yes, so yes. so i say it's challenging to discipline your child because we are both working so the daycare is doing the discipline for you speaking of like, speaking on that on? very quickly like uh, uh, me and my partner both work in the same office and okay. yet we rarely see each other the office is kind of okay. big and i'm just like how do people who have partners in a different working environment or a different company how do they make it work you're basically never seeing each other you know right like you have to like hey i don't know man. it's just nighttime mornings like a nighttime, couple yeah. two three hours at night two three hours maybe two hours maybe one who knows in the morning and then it's weekends that's it <laughs> exactly exactly and it's like so that this model it's like it's no one's fault it's no it's not what but i think the modern world is also confusing people like the idea that for instance that all women should make their career their ultimate goal it's confusing people with choices you have more choices than ever before yet people are more confused why is there more dysphoria than ever before too yeah even if you think even for men it's like your career shouldn't be your ultimate purpose, you know. I think your career should only serve you to support your family. Wait, say that again? But isn't it... Your career... Uh-huh. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. just, yeah, I say that again, say that again. I'm saying, like, you shouldn't... Even as a man, you shouldn't sacrifice everything to your career, right? Mm. Your career should just be the thing you use to support those that you love. What if, that makes what if my personal goal is to further my career? Well, then you'll see... How that will impact your family right? what if Think i what if my family is that. just me if you but your family isn't just you is it just you okay you know so I mean? are you using are you using family in the sense of like your friends as well your social network no, no, your no. social group no 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 i mean like blood blood family or, or marriage or whatever blood relations okay 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 so it's like okay, if you're single, yes, I think you can just focus on your career. Actually, maybe you, sh- you should focus on your career as much as possible when you when you're single. And then when you get a family, you can take away some of the focus from your career and put into your family, right? So I wanna quickly, what? How would you separate career from work, meaningful work? Okay, so I will say, work is something you do to put food on the table. Career is something long term, something that's where you can rise up the ranks, right? But then uh, again, meaningful work is now, when I say meaningful work, I mean like that work that you deem valuable enough to give you self-actualization. Because some people's meaningful work Mm. or meaningful goal, whatever their goal Mm. is, their purpose, let's call it purpose. Mm. Their purpose Mm. Mm. matches with their career. True, 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 true. So how are you separating work, purpose, and then career? Uh, I think okay, so I will say that a career is anything that where you can rise to the ranks, and it doesn't. Career doesn't have to be your purpose. Like a salaryman yeah. in Japan, who's just looking for the ne- next year's, you know, next year's increase in salary. That's a career, but it might be meaningless. You know, he's mm. just doing it for the sake of the increased salary, right? Mm-hmm. Just as an example, I'm not saying they're all like that. Uh, and work with purpose will be maybe the carpenter who's not really seeing an increase in his income, but he really loves what he's doing, right? Mm. Mm. I would say that's work with purpose. But a career doesn't... But Both of them can't have purpose, but I think a career is all about rising up the hierarchy. That's what I think a career is. So there has to be like... 
upward mobility in the career. Yes, yes, yes. But work doesn't necessarily have upward mobility. Like you can be a shepherd who loves who loves shepherding, but you're not really moving up in any hierarchy with a shepherd. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, uh. We've gone on a long tangent, by the way. So I, I want to go back to what we were talking about. So we're talking about high uncertainty situations. Mm-hmm. You, you brought out high uncertainty. Do, does any of the situations you brought up, like fatherhood, is it high risk for you? Low oh, risk? Oh, yes. It's, it's, I would say it's very high risk. It's the ultimate risk because in how many ways can I make my daughter's life miserable? Right? And it's like, it's very easy to make your child's life miserable. It's like, all I have to do is nothing. Right? I can let my daughter watch YouTube and I use Instagram. You know? And right. that will make my daughter's future miserable. It's like, I, it's very easy to make my daughter have a miserable future. Dad wasn't there. Dad wasn't there. Dad never paid attention. Right? Yeah. It's not even yeah. like, and, but at the, at the other hand, like to discipline my child, I have to go out of my way to do things that I know that as a, if I was a child, I would have my parents to do this to me, right? Mm-mm. Like telling my daughter, okay, so we've decided YouTube is only one hour in the morning, finished. Even though you're screaming and, and, and throwing a tantrum, no YouTube. Like as a child, you want that to just tell you, okay, watch YouTube, it's fine, Mm-mm. right? But as the parent, I know it's not okay for her. So I'm willing to fight with her or rather have her fight with me just to discipline her today, right? Right. And so that's why I'm saying it's being a father is very, or rather just being a parent is very high risk. Very high risk. Yeah. I, I, I would say that the most, there's a lot of things that I have high uncertainty with. Mm-hmm. I will state my current job mm-hmm. is a very high uncertainty because being a new person, mm-hmm. At a company that has a well-established culture, even in uh, Pepe, you know, a previous mm-hmm. job, my previous job, mm-hmm. and your current workplace, right? Mm-hmm. They high, there's high expectations to you to fit with company values, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in the first month, they don't expect you to know everything. Second month, mm-hmm. they don't. I'm going into my third month, and it's reaching that point where it's like, okay, now you should be captured. Should so there's expectations, and there is pressure. Mm-hmm. quite a bit of pressure especially from senior management right mm-hmm. so you're constantly asking yourself like if i make one mistake or two mistakes mm-hmm. am i out you know mm-hmm. so the that 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 high uncertainty like will i still be able to do the work that i'm doing tomorrow will i still have a paycheck in the next one month right mm-hmm. i i wouldn't say it's that serious you know mm-hmm. um you know how the brain can paint its own demons. You know, you see a shadow, you paint a demon, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I might be seeing a lot of these things and just, you know, creating my own horror show in my head. But it's still that. It's still my reality. Like, no one can deny, like, you know, that anxiety that is created from a high-pressure work environment, you know? Mm-hmm. You worry about, like, I might not be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, and in that case, it's high uncertainty. I, I don't know if it's high risk. Mm-hmm. The individual actions I do don't carry high risk. Mm-hmm. Only when accumulated does it do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So the actions will lead to a certain outcome. Okay, okay. So I, I don't know how to, to assess the risk at the moment, but I, mm-hmm. I would say there's definitely high uncertainty. It's the most high uncertainty situation that I have in my life right now, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Why do you think 
human beings now this is like in general philosophy mm-hmm. we've run away from uncertainty uh, because uncertainty like back to the idea of chaos uncertainty is chaos right so if you go back to medieval europe or even before that like it's like people were building cities with walls around them right and wait no wait, one... wait is that correct though i feel like uncertainty is the potential of chaos and uncertainty is that fog that has the potential of revealing itself as order or chaos you don't know what it is yeah exactly so you don't know what it is so you don't necessarily most people wouldn't assume it's this potential order out in the chaos out in the darkness right yes just dark right like think about this like a kid enters a dark room they don't assume oh my toys might be in the dark room they just see darkness and they say oh it's scary over there right yes 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 yeah so yeah same thing with so i think like the europeans for instance or rather even before that just ancient societies they build this walled cities right and the only people who live this walled cities were maybe the warriors the hunters right who are going out to get like food or to fight wars right but most of the people didn't leave the walled city because the city despite all of these problems it was a safe haven we know what to expect in the city we know there are thieves in a certain corner. Just don't walk down the street, right? Uh. But whatever is outside the walls, we don't know what that is. Yes. Death. Because my my uncle was was a soldier and he left the walls and he never came back. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so, the people who did come back were heroes, right? Celebrated with legends and myths. Those yes, yes, myths yes. created about them. Mm-hmm. And so we do celebrate those people who openly accept chaos and uncertainty. But I think the kind of person who we celebrate is kind is a meta person it's not a real person right no but my point is that the people who ultimately okay i'll say this isn't it not the role of the leaders and the heroes to manage uncertainty to manage that not the uncertainty mm-hmm. around them but mm-hmm. to manage the uncertainty of their situation and the people are around them as well oh yes that makes sense that does make sense yes that's true that's the role of the leaders to make, so basically the what you're saying is that the role of the leaders is to make you feel safe yes well mm-hmm. yeah it, it provide insurance right of some sort mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. provide assurance okay 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 because then yeah. with that you can apply it to heroes as well mm-hmm. as like even normal leaders like the CEOs and the senior management in any company or business mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. the uncertainty is like hey will I be able to feed myself right? Mm-hmm. I don't have money. Would I be able to feed mm-hmm. myself, get all the stuff mm-hmm. that I need to survive? Hey, mm-hmm. come work for my company, me the leader. Mm-hmm. I will take all of that uncertainty away from you by providing providing you a wage. Okay, okay. So buy sense. into my system, become a part mm-hmm. of my system, and I mm-hmm. will give you a wage as insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's suddenly it stops becoming uncertainty of whether you will get a wage and becomes a risk of whether you will get a wage, you know, because you might get fired, right? There's an outcome of you getting fired. Okay, okay. okay. Huh, huh, okay, that totally makes sense. But then going back to the idea of the people who leave the city and come back as heroes, like how many of those were there, right? Like, I'm, yeah, uh, I don't know. The argument I'm making here is that if everyone that left the city walls came back victorious, then there wouldn't be such hype around this notion of hero because everyone just does it, you know? everyone goes and comes back successful you know what i mean Mm-mm-mm. and that's why i think the realm of, of chaos remains as the realm of chaos not, not because there's demons or darkness out there but because 
Most people that go out into chaos don't come back. And the, those that do, we celebrate them because they is, did something. Is that true? I feel like that is the... I think, I think it's true. Of that is the it's narrative. True. That is the narrative no, that think, is... Think about this. Think about this. Did you know that most businesses that start don't survive two years? Most businesses. Right? Okay. How many... So think of how many relationships that start don't make it to marriage. Most of them. Obviously, it's most of them, right? <laughs> that's that's an uncertainty. Like, it's unknowable. Yeah, <laughs> Who right. knows how many? 25% of pregnancies end in, what is it? What, like, not a stillbirth, like when the baby dies prior to being born. What is it called? Anyway, so the 25% of pregnancies end in the, in the day. Death premature. The premature. Yeah. A premature death or whatever, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. This is called a premature death. Fine. Yeah. So it's like most things are actually out in the realm of chaos. And most things are out in the... Like we celebrate most things because out of chaos they were born. But most things that are out in chaos don't make it... That go out into chaos don't come back to tell us what happened. Right? Hence they are unknowable. Like, that's the thought exactly, that's unknowable. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why like, yeah, we celebrate those things because of what a big achievement they are. Because mm. most things collapse, most things just end in, end in failure. But it is in mm. that realm of not of unknowable, mm. of the realm of the unknown, rather, mm. that mm. our dreams can exist. Yes, well. our dreams definitely exist in, in the realm of the uh, of the unknown. They don't ex- exist here because if they exist here, it wouldn't be a dream; it would just be reality. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. So we still but, need it, like uh, we, so. We do need- we do need the the chaos. We need the uncertainty. I agree with that. So why do, do you think it's education? Has education made us more? Has created a disposition for us to be afraid of failure, failure, failing or losing? You know, or modern education has definitely. I believe it has made us more risk averse, right? Because yeah. think about this: how many tests do you get in any? in one semester of school, right? You get many, many tests. And when you get a D on the tests, at Mm. least in my memory, Mm. the teacher doesn't tell you, oh, you didn't do so well this time, Mm. but if you focus on what you you got wrong, next thing you'll do better. No, they just tell you, you're not learning anything. What's wrong with you? You know know what I mean? (laughs) And when when a test is put in front of you, there's usually only one or two answers, right? So it's it's back to like rolling the dice. So yeah, it's just yeah. a numbers game at that point. So yeah, it's nothing yeah. but, but risk. There's zero uncertainty. It's just risk. You know what, what I liked when I got into high school, I got really good at taking tests. And I liked the tests in high school, especially things like, like history or business, those, those kinds of classes where it's like it's all theoretical. Of course, yeah, even <laughs> you, could, you could argue, argue yeah, your exactly. way to the answer. Yes, I used to like exactly. those ones too. <laughs> because like the multiple choice or the one word answers, like I always used to get those, but I used to fail at those ones. Because just, hey, I don't remember this one, but I can't remember this one word. Do you want that one word in this sentence? I don't remember what that word is. Yes. But let me argue out my point. I can do that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, it right. It might right. Come, but I'll definitely convince you to a degree. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's how all schooling should be. Like, let people argue out their points. But I think maybe things like, even math, it's like... You're... There's some basic... There's some basic... Mm-hmm. There's some basic metrics... In the world, mm. just like 
there's some basic facts. I don't know. Is it facts? What would I say? There's some base knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. That we all need to build from. Example is like maths, like what you said. The maths yeah. is across all languages is the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So th- like with that, it's like either you have the right answer. So mm-hmm. it's just right process, right answer. Those are the two, co- two components that people usually measure for. I, I don't and see I, the leeway for arguments there, you know? My point isn't that you can argue against math, but just my argument is how we were taught math. So when I, as a child, when I was learning math for the first time, I was told one plus one is two, mm. two plus two is four, right? Mm. As a child, no one ever asked me what are the possible, what are the other possible ways to get the answer for, you know? So I just kind of memorized two plus two is four. I never thought. Ah, okay. I never thought, I was never taught how to think in that manner. Like so Jordan Peterson to... says, it's not the answer that you're looking for. It's the way that you derive the answer that is the most exactly. important thing. Because an answer, the problem with knowledge is that knowledge can be invalidated instantly. Mm-hmm. New information mm-hmm. can come in that renders old answers invalid immediately. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that we take for reality or the fact right now, like mm-hmm. saying that the world is round, for example. We can have a new tool that shows, oh, actually the universe is flat, so technically the world is flat too. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly the world is flat again, you know? So You're going to run some people up. You're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> it's an example. People need to relax. Okay, yeah. so the answer itself isn't important. Mm-hmm. It's the ways in which you can derive the answer that is important the mm-hmm. ways mm-hmm. and the pathway to not to, to, to knowledge itself that that's the most important thing yeah so definitely by saying what you've said it's definitely true that educate education systems at least the ones that i know have definitely made us more risk averse but and i, I, I it's, think it's because they're answer focused it's yeah. it's more answer focused questions than like uh, how would you call oh, i'm trying to think of a word to call it so we have answer focused questions and mm-hmm. Question, question, focus, questions. <laughs> <laughs> can you, can you, can you come up with the right question? And For this answer. yeah, can you come up with the right question and impose some sort of stru- structure on organization, on information mm. to lead mm. you to an answer? Yes, yes, yes. And you know, like I thought Kenya was really bad at this, but then when I came to Japan, I started teaching kids, I realized, wow, it's much worse here, right? It's like, these kids, these kids, they won't give you an answer unless they know for sure it is the correct answer. Right? And it's not even just in Kenya. I think we've seen the hype, the apo- apotheosis of that in Japan. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's in Japan. It's, it's terrible in Japan, right? Oh, you because, said Japan? Sorry. Yeah, I said Japan. Like in Japan, you you ask these kids, "What food do you like?" and they will look at you like, like you're not there, like you don't exist. <laughs> they, they look at you like you ask them, "Is there life in the universe?" <laughs> They will sit there like this, like wondering. Oh man, it's so bad. It's it's so frustrating. It's like they want you to give them flashcards. Okay, say I like ba- banana. Say I like banana. You know, like, but I don't want to do that. It's so. The it's worst is when that. they look at the parents, right? Like you, if yeah. you've taught them the fruits, right? Apple, banana, yeah. whatever, whatever, right? They can mm-hmm. say I like banana apple because you've played dozens of games and you know for mm-hmm. a fact they can say it with confidence. Then when mm-hmm. the parents are there and you're like, oh, look at what they can do. Hey. What fruit do you like, you know? Or do you like banana or stuff like that? They'll look at their moms and dads like... <laughs> yes, like what should I do, mom? What should I say? What should I say? 
Yeah, but you know, it, it's not only that. It's like when these kids come into the classroom and maybe they've come in five, ten minutes early, they ask me, Sensei, what should I do now? Dude, just open your book and do anything. <laughs> do anything. We have to finish <laughs> Like, You know what's interesting? They do that every lesson. Every yes. lesson. Even though it's like you've taught them like 10, 12, who knows, 20 lessons by now. And they know by now, like, hey, the lesson hasn't started. You can pretty much just relax. Yeah. They ask you, what should I do? Like, dude, just please think for yourself and do something. You can play with your phone. I don't care. You have 10 minutes. <laughs> I would love to get. Oh, man. It's so bad. We should have an episode about children. How we will raise the children and how we'll do how will we raise do the raising of children, you know? Oh, I'm doing that right now. Yeah. And I also want to bring someone who's like an a Kaiwa teacher. So we can also talk about like our own stories of raising children. Mm-hmm. Raising and slash dealing with children, you know? Yeah. I think that would be really fun. Anyway, Oscar, we're out of time. And what are your final comments? My final comments is that most of life is uncertain most of life is uncertain like but we have this illusion of safety like look at ukraine for the most part i don't think most ukrainians were thinking about the russians bombing their cities oh they were they were the past the past three years they hyped up the military operations and they were doing civilian that's the government government doing that right but Mm. most people are just going to work you know coming back home kissing their big children good night you know it's like just it was just another day in the life, right? And okay, the yeah, there was uncertainty, yes. Uh, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that's that's most of life, you know. Think about Japan. We live in an island where there are earthquakes every day. You don't know when the next major earthquake will come and will you be there when it comes, you know? Uh, uh, uh. We just go all day, like, everything is fine. Like, we're living in this illusion of certainty. Like, everything is an illusion, Jason. It's all an illusion. Uh. You actually think about life, nothing is given. You might walk out of the house and just get hit by a car, right? Mm. It only takes one drug driver and you're dead and you're dead, right? So yeah, like, I, most of life is complete, certain, but, uh, complete uh, certainty. You can describe that as like non-existent. When... Non-existent. <laughs> non-existent. When all past and future outcomes are known, that is complete certainty. So that's non-existent. We don't know. There's so many things that we do. We don't know the past okay, so, outcomes so and I have, future. I have this bottle of water. I can say with some degree of certainty that if I open this this cup and put the bottle against my mouth, the water will go into my mouth, right? That, yeah, I, I can, that's certainty. I can that, that's certainty, that's certainty, yeah. right? But what if, as I do this, as I lift it up, I get an aneurysm and I die halfway? That can happen too. That means your assessment was wrong and your certainty was proven wrong. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm not saying it, that would happen. I'm just saying like there are things about the world, about the universe we can't know. When will I get a heart attack? Right? Uncertain. What will, yeah, uncertain. You know, when will I get an when will an aneurysm pop in my head? Uncertain. uncertain right? Right? When will I go blind? Uncertain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, will I go blind? <laughs> so, <you know>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so most of life is just it's all chaos, but we've just been convinced by huh. So well. Back to and this, Fuck. and this, and this, and this is where the uncertainty of death comes in. Mm-hmm. Is the entire role of society, the games that we play in society, all to manage uncertainty and the fear of uncertainty? Yes, yes. I mean, like societies and cultures are just one big 
it's all one big Noah's Ark, right? And we are all safe inside the Ark because we know out there is a storm. That's why no, no matter how much we might bicker about Japan or Kenya, we know in those places, as long as we are under the guide of society and tradition, we were safe to a degree, right? Yes, culture protects you. Culture protects you. And once you leave your culture, like us leaving Kenya and come to Japan, like even though Japan is much more developed, it's much more secure, we know that we did not feel safe in the beginning, right? Yeah, Culturally, you need to you shred need the armor, the stuff that you leave behind. And sometimes you don't even know what you left behind, right? Exactly, exa- exactly. You don't even know what you left behind. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's only here yeah. when you realize like... Yeah, I miss Swahili. I miss Kiswahili. Yeah, it's through pain and suffering. Do you realize, man, I've just, I've shredded so much of me and I've left yep. it all back yep. at home. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, viewers and yeah. listeners. Yeah, we got that now. And, you know, we're going to keep on trying. You know, this that's the whole thing about our podcast. We just keep on getting better, level up, level up, level up, you know? Next time we'll come with suits. Who knows? Suits, a guest, Jordan Peterson. Who knows? You know, <laughs> well, we should send him that email. He might, he might reply. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely gonna reply, but he's not coming on. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Everything's uncertain, Jason. Everything's uncertain. <laughs> the day we get Jordan Peterson on this podcast, Oscar, I will shave. I will do something so extreme. I, I will come. Like, let's revisit this later. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, all viewers and listeners, and thank you, Oscar. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, listeners. And we'll catch us again next week on another episode of Dreams X Trash. Oskari Samadis. Oskari Samadis. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Oskari. Bye-bye, Jason.